You are listening to Mystery Media Group. Yay! Keep your eyes and your heart open. Aliens are among us and are waiting to encounter you. For this evening's topic, we are going to have a UFO sighting roundtable. I've got several guests here with me tonight, which I will introduce in a moment. And we will have a very lively discussion about UFO sightings that we have seen in the area in which we live. So first off, I'll introduce Jake. Hello. Mystery Van. Hello. Of course, me, Elva, from Elva's Alien Encounters. I'm Jill from Jill's Chills. And Tenacious O. Hello. All right. So I'll turn the time over to Jake and he will share his own personal account. All right. So it was New Year's Eve. I remember the day. It's like the first thing I saw. It was, um, it was my own right up there. So it was on my grandma's house up at like the bench, what I call it. And then it's like New Year's Eve. We're being in pots and outside. Down tradition. And I look behind me. It's like, like a big beach ball. It's just like a bunch of different colors. And I thought it was like a small drone at first. And then like it just keeps going and going. Like I felt like it just like kind of like was going around the mountain. I thought it was small. Like it was probably like an eighth of the mountain. It's like it went behind it. It was it was huge. It was it was pretty big. Just like a big colorful beach ball. And then my second sighting was up at Little Baldy. And then. You know, like, have you guys been to the very top of Little Baldy? But I went all the way up there. And then if you look past, like, look back where the road is, I saw, um, like, ten white dots in a circle. Like, kind of, like, above the hill. And, like, I was like, oh, that's just, like, construction or whatever. I went back, like, I had to say it, like, the next day. And, there. and then, um, that same night right before that, there's like this huge flare. It was just silver. Like it was really bright. Silver and it went to red and just faded out. With either of these encounters, did you have people with you that also witnessed it? Yeah. yeah. And what did they think when they saw this? Um, first of all, I didn't have any witnesses, but on the second one I did. Because we all saw this same the thing. Same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought it was all pretty freaking too, because we didn't know what to think of it. So. And you all drew the conclusion that it was probably some type of unidentified yeah. Object. So I wanted to wave, so. so I chalked it up to. That's really exciting. Yeah. I feel like in talking to people, this whole mountainside over here has been the most active. When people have shared their stories, it's usually um, right along here, and it seems like it's usually at dusk. So just for the sake of anonymity, I'm not going to maybe give like, I'm just going to say the mountains in general, right at kind of the horizon line. Seems like people have noticed very large craft that does not seem military or of a satellite nature and just doing weird things like remaining motionless and then all of a sudden going away very fast. So, how far away do you think that beach ball was from you guys when you saw it on... I mean, it was towards the top of the mountain. So, I'm just going to guess like two miles away. Two miles away. And it looked... And it 
was enormous, like the size, almost the size of the yeah, mountain. Yeah, like, I thought it was just like a drone, like in, in the sky, probably like a block away from me, and it just went around the mountain. I was like, well, that was pretty What cool. colors would you say? Um, it was red, like red, blue. And blue? Red and blue, yeah. It was like pulsating between the two colors? Red, blue, they and were green. Both, it was like, just like, it was kind of just like coordinating, like it was just like... Just like burning blue and Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. That's cool. About how fast? Um, it was just kind of going slow. Just taking it time. Slow, and then it, it just kind of disappeared behind the mountain. Yeah. Interesting. Did you wait to see if it would come back out, or? No, because there's like a there's like a cut in the mountain, and then it just because after that it's just gets higher. So you go, so. Did it seem like it was deliberately like sitting there, or was it just like moving? You just noticed it like moving across the sky. It was just moving across the sky, and like it didn't have any like disruptions in the air. Like it was just it was just constant. So I don't know how something can be that steady in the air, especially at the altitude because of the wind and all that stuff. And it couldn't have been like a reflection of something. Because it was, it was. I remember it was a cloudy, cloudy night. So I don't. And it would be like midnight in the dark, so yeah, it wouldn't be, and it wouldn't be um, fireworks. It didn't look like no way. There's no way it was fireworks. Anybody else in your family see it? I'm pretty sure I'm the only one I saw it. But how old were you? Age sixteen. So old enough to know the difference. Yes, I know. It sounds really alarming. No, it doesn't. I know what I saw. I think that'd be cool to see. That'd be interesting, kind of. It sounds like it was just about the right the right distance too. Two miles away is good. yeah. You don't want them getting. <laughs> I'll closer. take two miles rather than well, yards. And like that fire story, yeah, the fire in the sky. Exactly. I wouldn't be standing underneath that thing waiting to see what happens. <laughs> Have you heard of the fire in the sky story of the guys Walton and his crew? But, well, sounds familiar. They're like loggers or. Lumberjacks, and they were in, and they saw like what looked like a fire in the sky. You tell it, you know. So there was there was this logging crew, and they were up in the mountains, and they were trying to get there. They're trying to stay on contract because they were they were kind of running behind, so they were working very late. It was it was dark. They finally packed up and started heading home when it was it was it was very dark. And uh, as they're coming down the mountain, they see what looks like a fire in the sky. It looks it looks like a, an airplane had crashed in the woods, just a little ways away from where they were at. But then the fire started moving. And as they were going down, it started to kind of get closer to where they were at. And then they saw this little, little bit of clearing in, the, in the, the trees where they could see this thing in the air. So they stopped and they were kind of staring at it. And before they you know, knew what was going on, one of the guys, Travis Walton, got out of the truck and walked towards this thing. And everybody's freaking out. There's five other guys in this truck trying to get him to get back in the truck. They don't, want to, you know, they don't want to deal with whatever it is that's out there. So he gets out and he goes walking towards it. And then all of a sudden, he gets hit by a beam of light. And then goes flying like 15 feet. And all of his buddies think he's dead. So they go tearing down the mountain. They just bail. So they leave him there and they're all freaking out. So they go down, you know, they get, I think it was like a quarter of a mile down the mountain, maybe a mile down or a half mile down the mountain. And then they decide, you know, they've got to go back and check on this guy. They've got to like, they can't just leave their friend there. So they turn around and they go back and they get to where they think the clearing is. The, the object's not there anymore. And they're looking around and all they see is scorch marks where he was standing. And some of the, the brush had been kind of disturbed from where he'd landed. But he was gone. Or he wasn't there anymore. So they, they look around for a second, but they're too scared. They, they end up going back into town. They call the police. The police come out. They, they look for him. 
this is big thing. They, you know, they're, they're thinking that maybe he was murdered. You know, the people in the town are thinking, oh, they, you know, he got killed and now they're trying to cover it up. Or, you know, they didn't believe in the story or anything like that. Well, five days later, Travis Walt shows up again. And he's like, you know, malnourished and beside himself and just kind of incoherent, whatever. They, um, anyway, they, they, they bring him back and they start questioning him, asking what's going on. Basically, got abducted by aliens. Talks about how they were doing experiments on him and stuff like that. And there was other pods, other people. And the, essentially, when, 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 when he's looking at these aliens, they're, what you would consider greys was actually like a spacesuit. So inside of the, the, the gray spacesuit was these kind of shriveled looking pale aliens. But they didn't have the big eyes. They had smaller eyes. The, the big eyes were just kind of the, the helmet, the suit, or whatever, basically. He, at one point, he escapes in, in the, the spaceship, and he's kind of running around trying to find his way out. And they catch him and drag him back. He's just absolutely terrified. And then, after five days, he wakes up just in, in the woods. So he runs down to a gas station and calls his brother. And, you know, after that, the whole story kind of like just kind of takes a while. Kind of like it's on, and everybody's kind of trying to figure out how legitimate this is. They take lie detector tests, all of them pass, with the exception of one guy who was kind of a vagrant, who was kind of a little bit of a loose cannon, and he was not very cooperative anyways. But everybody else, you know, for decades they took lie detector tests and they all passed. They all stand by what they saw, what they said, and Travis stands by what he said. They, they, they still go up to that spot, I guess, every once in a while, and they say they get up there and their the hair on their arm stands up and they they've been interviewed a lot over the years and their story is always the same and they have been on coast to coast and some other things it's probably the most credible alien story i think in an alien encounter well i feel like maybe four or five years ago in my family uh we were down at lake powell on a houseboat and one of our favorite things to do is sleep up on the deck at night and just stare at the night sky and there was one evening when there was this absolutely, almost like a giant comet was just like burning across the sky in front of us, but it was so close. It seemed like it was having a lot of friction and burn as it was coming to the atmosphere very near us. And I did not feel like it resembled a shooting star or anything of that nature. It seemed very unidentifiable to me. Dan, did you see it? Yeah, I did. It was a very clear night. What did you think when you saw it, Mystery Van? Mystery Van. I thought, wow, I've never seen something like falling from the sky like that close up. And you could like really see like the flames. It could have been anything though. It was it was really weird. That's all I have to say. Can you tell about how far away it was? Was there anything else to kind of like gauge that by or um so at the part of like how we were at, I feel like we were kind of across a bay and then looking back out towards the mesa, it seemed to me like it was just right on the edge of that mesa. But it was so big, it might have been further away. Or it was like a giant meteor. I don't know, but it was massive. And I was just like, did everybody see that? And it was all just always going one direction? or did it look Yeah, like it was going directions? one direction. And then all of a sudden just like disappeared. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, I know that when things enter or leave our atmosphere, it does create like a flaming friction thing. So I feel like it could be something of that nature. It's big enough that I feel like we would have seen some kind of like impact or well, I don't know. Because they do break. They do break apart too. So just break. So even a small piece of media would make it, would make it, it would hear the impact and see the evidence. Yeah. 
if it touched down. If it did touch yeah. down, then that's that makes and the meter's theory suspect. Maybe it's you know, if it did ever touch the ground, then where'd it go? Yeah, <laughs> unless it burned up. If it burned up, then maybe that. It was just so big. I don't know if it could have burned up. And we saw so many other shooting stories that night, and none of them looked like. Yeah, it was like a class that was on. I'll say that. Like to this day, I can still see it. And that was like, what was that? So you know the difference between a shooting star and what this was. And it wasn't. I feel like I do. But once again, I think that's the whole point of a UFO is that object is not easily identified. And I feel like this totally classifies as being unidentifiable. Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Which is Area 52, Area 51. Yeah, Bob Lazar. Yeah. Oh, totally. He reverse engineered some of the anti gravity from some of the yeah. UFOs and stuff like that. He's super credible. He only came forward because he was worried that his life was in danger because he knew so much that. So he came forward and said, "This is the stuff that I know. If I if I turn up missing, it's because this stuff is true, and they're trying to." Did he? Do, is he dead? No, he's alive still. Yeah. Supposedly, there's a there's an element that they discovered that is key in anti gravity and, and and many other like propulsion systems and stuff. That supposedly, and, and they're still kind of like watching him and keeping an eye on him because supposedly he took some of it with him. Okay. And so he's yeah, it's it's supposed to be like a really big deal. Like it's who did he? So did he? He came out to who? And it was was it was it Art Bell or George Knapp or? I think, like that. I think he first came out of the news and like they like put a cell out over him, but like George Knapp or uh, yeah, George Knapp was part of the first one. Yeah. So did he go on coast to coast and yeah, talk to those guys? Coast. He's been the one who's done a lot of interviews and a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's a really, really smart guy too. He's like a rocket engineer, like he's he's really he's crazy. He's yeah. Smart. Like before he worked at Area fifty two, say Alamo. Yeah, he had like a he built his own jet powered Honda. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's crazy. Like, it didn't look like crappy, too. It looked like... Which is another one of those things that could land him in a cardboard in a, in a wooden box. Because, you know, powers we don't want to have that kind of technology cruising around either. Are you talking about the government or aliens? I'm talking about the oil industry. Oil industry. Oh. Because he was using a jet power, he created a jet it's power. Just, on yeah, it would, it would, it, you know. That doesn't require gas. I, I'm, I'm sure he's using jet fuel. Probably. Yeah, jet fuel. It wouldn't. You wouldn't be buying your gas at the Anyway, really smart dude. Really cool guy. I, I yeah, I've, I've watched. I don't know how many documentaries I've seen stuff on him. Yeah, I've, I've researched him a lot. Joe Rogan talks about him. Talks mm-hmm. to him. I think Joe Rogan. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's how I found him. Really? Yeah. yeah. He talks a lot about like. The, the reverse engineering that he did with the UFO, he talks a little bit about kind of the, what they look like, the structure and how they work and stuff like that. Like, I mean, and you can hear when he's talking. I mean, and you can hear when he's talking about this stuff. Like for me, it, I don't understand it. Like it sounds, <laughs> it sounds legitimate and stuff. But you can tell that he's like very knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Was he there when the aliens crash landed at Area Fifty One? No, this is he. He he just showed up to the site to work to. To, and, and, and he says that everybody was kind of like siloed and compartmentalized. So these guys didn't work with those guys. Those guys didn't work with these guys. So they kind of kept some of that stuff kind of separate and everything. So he didn't really know a lot of what else was going on. He was just there to learn about and reverse engineer the anti gravity, the propulsion the, of the actual spacecraft. Of the spacecraft, yeah. Of the UFOs. Mm-hmm. He has like diagrams and shows like kind of how, yeah. how it worked and everything. And really cool. Stuff. And what did he take with him? 
it's a, it has a new element. It's like, it's, it was, I can't even remember what it's called. Like S14 or something? Something, like, something yeah, something strange like that. But, yeah. but an element that's not on Earth? Yeah. 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 So obviously this technology and everything did not exist on Earth prior to... Yeah. Extra terrestrial. It's not on the earth. Really, like, he saw some of fly because they took it out. He took a, so he knew when, like, it was like a scheduled flight plan. So he took some of his friends out one night to watch him fly, and then cops caught him. Oh, really? So that's why yeah, he kind of got, like, tripped up in this mess. When was that crash landing? Was that like four years ago? It wasn't a crash landing. They had ships on this base. There was a oh, crash landing. There was a crash. Yeah, there was Oh, Roswell. that was Roswell. That was 48. 1948? Yeah, somewhere around there. And they found dead aliens, right? Supposedly there was one that was alive, two that were dead. It was really crazy. It was like really lightweight and it was kind of like viable. And it had weird symbols on it. Like the spacecraft they had. Yeah. Like almost Egyptian symbols, but not quite and, and nothing but was like determinable. So they were just flying spacecrafts around? Is that they were just experimenting on like to see yeah. things, like what they were. So had they already they had found them had they found them or did they make them themselves? That's the question. He doesn't even oh. know that, I don't think. I, I think, think they found them as seems like they were found, but I I don't think he ever comes out and says, yeah, they, you know, they were, they were aliens. I mean, he says that there's, there was technology that they didn't know and understand. That's why he's brought it. Yeah, it's kind of and then they like replicated it or they just used those actual elements? I don't think they replicated it. They just tried to figure out like yeah. how to, how they could use it. If they were trying to just use it for I themselves. think, I think really the big kind of, the big takeaway from it, the big thing they learned was this, this element that helped them to be able to manipulate battery fields. Use this this element. They were able to you know, defy gravity. Essentially, do you want to hear the story about the par- parallel universe? The coolest episode of Coast to Coast ever, in my opinion, was it was it was Art Bell. It was way back in the day. He gets a caller that calls in randomly one night, and the guy's hysterical, just just absolutely hysterical, like crying and stuff. He's like, Art, I don't have a lot of time. Um, they're they're coming after me. I just want I just want to let everybody know and get this out there. The things that we think are aliens, they're not really aliens. They're actually extra dimensional beings, and they're coming here. And they are they're not they're not what they say. They're not, they're not what you think. And you know, people think that they're they're coming from other planets. The planets are too far away. That's not how this works. They're extra dimensional beings, and they can travel between the dimensions. And they're they're here to take over. It's they're, you know, and, and he, this guy's just absolutely hysterical. And then, as in the middle of this story, for the first time in all of Coast to Coast history, they get knocked off the air. The satellite just shuts down. And he can't get the caller. The whole radio goes down. They, they end up going to some other program for a little while, for like 15 minutes. And then they come back up, and the caller has left the line. And he was on the line again with, with, with Park California, only like, you know, five or six minutes after the satellite cut out. He, he gets back on the line. He's like, this has never happened before. I was like, but the guy was, you know, acting like somebody was after him and it was a dire situation type of a thing. And it seemed like somebody knocked him off the air, shut the satellite down and, and stopped the broadcast. And they could, he could never get home and die again. And that was just kind of left at that. It was just like this guy all of a sudden drops off the line and then the, the radio station got shut down. So this guy couldn't tell anymore the story. And that had never happened before or since. On coast to coast. Tell yeah. about the man from that continent that doesn't exist in. Or is? Yeah. 
And it wasn't really like an alien thing, but it's like but it's a, still it's like parallel a, universe. Yeah. So supposedly this guy is a businessman, and he shows up to the airport just like always. And he's got his passport, and he's checking in. And they're asking him, you know, what he's doing. He's like, yeah, I'm from Torrid, and they're like, well, where's Torrid? We don't know, you know, they they don't know where that is. But they're looking through his passport, and he's got stamps from, you know, all over the world. And so they're starting to ask him questions. And it's kind of seeming weird. They're not really sure what what this guy's deal is. So they take him they take him to an interrogation room, basically. And they're asking him more questions, and he's finding this really strange. Like, why why are we you know why is this a problem? Why is this thing like I travel all the time? So they pull out a map and they said, you know, show us where Torrid is. And he points over to like, I think it was somewhere in like Italy or, you know, Southern Europe, somewhere around there. And he's like, it should be right here. This map isn't right. How old is this map? Like, what, what are you guys pulling here or whatever? And it wasn't on the map. But he said, this is where Torrid is. And he had like money that said from the, you know, Federal Reserve's Torrid or whatever. It was like all of his IDs were from this place. And he could like, and then all of a sudden he's feeling super out of place because he can't understand why nobody knows Torrent or where he's from or what's going on. He can't, he can't explain it. So they decide that they put him up in a hotel and, and keep the, co- the hotel room guarded while they try to figure this out. They're making phone calls, trying to figure out, you know, where he's been, where he's from, all this stuff. And so the next day they go up to, to get him out of the hotel. He's just gone. He's just like, it was, couldn't have got out the window, couldn't have got out of the door. He's just all of a sudden gone. It sounds like he was very inadvertent. Like, he didn't know that he was doing it or what was happening because he was confused. Like, he couldn't place himself and they couldn't place him. And I think that he was really genuinely surprised. It wasn't like he'd done anything on purpose. I just called him like normal. Yeah, just like normal dude. Everything the future. Passport looked the same. That would be the worst. Like, if you slipped into another universe or slipped another dimension. That would be sad, though, and lonely. He's depending on how close the dimension is, because, like in this guy's case, he was going about his business just like it was every other day. He, he would not have known any different unless there was this this discrepancy at the airport. You know, like you know, maybe if you slip into another universe that's so close, the same. You know, you still have you know your same family, your same the Mandela effect. The Mandela effect. Is, yeah, that's a good. What, what if you don't even know? Like you remember something how it is, but everyone. You feel like you're just being gaslit by everybody in the whole world? Oh, <laughs> like this guy I might be in one then. <laughs> but the Mandela thing, people said he was dead. Right. And it was on the news and everything, apparently. Yes. People remember that, anyways. Yeah. When he, when he really died, and okay. it was in the news. And you know what I think? This is what I think the Mandela effect is. Newspapers make mistakes, and nobody catches the fix. Like, they say something that's wrong and then they don't fix it. Well that explains something something like the men like the Mandela one specifically. But not like the Baron St. Bears, right? Like because that's a book that you you read. What do people think of, it's person? Yeah, you would like I remember like books with the E, not the A. Right. And like if they if they would change it, but well, I still have the book and it it changed to, to an A. a. Then you would remember that's true. But we all think it has an E. Yeah. yeah. I remember having an E. There's a lot of those too that I was, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, but yeah, there's a lot of kind of those really strange. Like I remember it a different way than either everybody else remembers it or than is documented. Like Looney Tunes, it's like it's, there's no T T O O N S, like it's T U N E S. Oh yeah. yeah. It seems to lend credence to the alternate universe kind of a yeah. thing. 
and, and having them be so close together that it's maybe, maybe we do kind of slip in and out of them or maybe we, the memories or the consequences kind of cross over or something. Because I feel like if there were aliens out there, I think there's more a chance that they would be like us than mm-hmm. being kind of really outrageous looking and we just periodically coincide probably due to like our dimensions being so similar. And that's why I think if they really are some on Earth right now and we don't really recognize them, it's because they do look so similar to us and they just seem like I think that's one of the kind of the, that's my thought. I don't know if it's a paradox or if it's a, you know, but I think that people are prepared for little green men, but they're not prepared for a spaceship to land and Tom, Steve, and Jerry to walk out. You know, like regular humans to walk out, mm-hmm. I think would blow people's mind a lot more than a little green man coming out. Yeah, and I heard a thing on a study that said, like, if aliens did come or whatever, like, would people on Earth be upset or have a hard time believing it? And some university did a study and they said that 50% of people on Earth actually already believe that extraterrestrial or alien life is already here. So most people wouldn't be actually very concerned. They'd just be like, oh, yeah, they've been here. So. Like, I do think it's here, but, like, if it, like, actually came out, I'd be like, whoa, it's crazy. Well, thank you everyone for joining me tonight on my Alien Encounters Quad Annual Roundtable. Thanks for listening and keep your eyes on the skies. This is a production of Mystery Media Group. Yay!